This is Alternate Take, and I am your host. Welcome back, bitches. On today's episode, we had the fucking awesome musician, Eric Hutchinson. Uh, I've been a huge uh, admirer of uh, Eric's work for a long time, dude. He makes uh, just really great stuff, dude. And, and you guys know how I am about music. We've had a lot of episodes where we talk about this shit. Very specific. It's a reggaeton. I don't want to hear it. In fact, I might punch you. I mean, I won't. That's assault. That's how you go to jail. I won't do that, but but I won't like you. There's that. And I won't even let you know, but I'll note it. I'll note it in my head that fuck this guy. Fucking playing reggaeton and shit in his car. Like some idiot. You know. But you guys, you guys get what I'm saying. I'm not as judgy as you. I am very judgy. I'm already contradicting myself a lot in this podcast. But this episode was really cool, man. Um, I first caught on to Eric's music probably like around 2000, like 2013. And um, it's been a it's been a long ride ever since, man. I, I've seen I've seen him grow as an artist. He's he's never made anything I don't like. He has all these great albums, and they're all very different. And um, you know. I think it's important to like a lot of different shit in this world. I think it's I think it's important to like Tupac. I think it's important to like Metallica. I think it's important to like uh, Miles Davis. I think it's important to like Led Zeppelin. I think it's important to like Eric Hutchinson. Okay, and I'm not saying they're all the same. I'm just saying it's it's important to like all different shit. Um, but if it's good, if it's not good, then then fuck. It doesn't doesn't matter if you're trying to be diverse or not. If it sounds like shit, it sounds like shit. Um, and Eric's music does not. So this this was a very cool experience for me to talk to him, man. He's a hell of a dude. And um, you guys get to find out what it's like to write music for a living. So thanks, Eric, for coming on the show. And uh hope you guys enjoy. Peace. Mr. Hutchison, how you doing, sir? I'm good, man. How are you doing, Danny? I'm good, dude. Can't complain. Living the good life. How about yourself, all right. sir? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Just working on some stuff today. And... Uh... Yeah, thanks for asking me to to be on the pod. Oh, dude, I'm stoked, man. I've been uh, I've been listening to your music for a long ass time now. I think about it, dude. So this is uh, this is pretty surreal. I'm not gonna lie to you. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Is this uh, video gonna be used as well, or is it just the audio, or just audio? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just audio. There's like a buzzing. I don't know where the hell that's coming from. I think it's gone. It's buzzing in mine. Maybe I have a problem. Let me. Cool. Better. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect now. Okay, and you can hear awesome. me all right? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. Okay. All right, Mr. Hutchinson, thanks a lot for showing up, man. Um, like I said, uh, I've been, I think I've been listening to your music since, uh, since the first record, dude. And uh, honestly, uh, I didn't get, I didn't hear about it till years later. But uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, I just want to start from the beginning with you, man. Uh, where'd you grow up? I grew up just outside Washington D.C. Uh, in a town in Maryland. And um, grew up, I don't know, my mom used to say it was the, a little town next to the leader of the free world. So it's sort of a mixture of big city life, but also uh, definitely a small kind of suburb vibe. You know, I, I think that's probably the best recipe for good music anyways, because I hear that a lot from uh, people from Jersey. People from Jersey say that all the time, like, uh, like Springsteen or, uh, or uh, that band, uh, The Bleachers. They always mention being that close to the big city probably even makes better music, to be honest, because... You're always dabbling right next to the, you know, all the big artists and like all the city life, but you're still on the outskirts. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I, I put out an album not too long ago called Class of '98, which was sort of my homage to growing up in that area and especially my high school years. And it kind of, uh, 
it was fun to sort of go back into that time period and, and think about all that stuff. Yeah, I was going to mention that record uh, later on, but uh, since it's up, we're doing I, it now. Yeah, dude, I really, I really did like uh, all the things you did. I did the pod, you did the podcast with that. Mm-hmm. I thought that was super cool, man, to like tell the backstory of certain songs and like unplugged versions. That was phenomenal, man. How did what idea came up with that, or like how did that even get started? Yeah, man, I, I, I just feel like I try to do whatever I think a fan might be interested. I try to think about people that I love, and I try to think about what I would want from somebody else and you know the first thing I start doing when I really love a movie or a piece of music or something is I start looking for a podcast about it or I start looking for you know I want to hear about the process of how it was made so we taped these series of podcasts where it's me talking about the songs really really in depth kind of you know deep dive but um you know I think it's a cool way if you're liking the music it's another level to kind of connect you to it all Oh, 100%, man. Like when you're a kid, like and you get that DVD and you watch the special futures or the, or the deleted scenes. It's right. Exactly. Yeah, it's almost better than hard, man. When you get, when you get into something you love, you want to go all the way. And, and I guess that's the way with, it is with me making the music too. You know, it's like the podcast feels like an extension of the, of the album. Now it's like, I'm going to do the album. I'm going to release songs. I'm going to release lyrics. I want to release anything that might be interesting to somebody who likes this, the music. Right. And uh, what were your uh, favorite, at least, bands or artists growing up? Ones that I guess you consider role models even today. I mean, I was raised on sort of the the classic, uh, you know, the Beatles, Billy Joel, um, Paul Simon. Um, when I was pretty young, I started getting into Stevie Wonder and Michael Jackson and Prince and um, Elvis Costello. So, I, I mean, I feel like I've, I've always been a real... Um, student of songwriting and, and songwriting was really important in my house growing up and my family. And, um, it was just always, in, it was always an importance placed on it. Like, Oh, who wrote the song? Who had the idea for the song that mattered? That was important. And I think really from an early age, I started thinking, Oh, I want to make up my own songs. Damn. That's insane, dude. I I've definitely, am, I, I can definitely see the diversity in your music, especially throughout the years. It's, it's, a uh, it's been awesome to see because a lot of artists, I guess you can get pigeonholed, um, especially after uh, making like such a smash hit record like you did in your first one. Um, I can't even imagine what it was like to like create a second album and then pressure to try to follow up. What was that like? I mean, sounds like this was, I mean, still talked about to this day. It's, it's, it's a legendary <laughs> record, man. I appreciate it, man. We're coming up on the 15th anniversary of that album and I'm, I'm planning to go out and do a, a tour around that where we, we play all the songs from that album and kind of celebrate that. I, I have a lot of great memories and that album was really important to me and it, and it changed my life. You know, I made it as an independent artist as sort of a last gasp before I was going to quit music and try to figure something else. And I, I funded it myself and I got lucky with whose ears it found and it kind of just caught on and, and, um, it was, it was really amazing. You know, they say it was a blur, but it really kind of was, I sort of looked up and I was, in a whole different place in my life a couple years later. But to your to your question, making the next album was real hard because I had to do it with the label now. I was on Warner Brothers Records and they had money in place and they had an A&R man who had opinions and my managers had opinions and um, I got stuck in a lot of turnaround. And, you know, it was... I have a lot of great memories of making the music on that album, but I also have a lot of... There was a lot of, like, red tape and bs and um it was a very difficult period for me and and it took a long time for the album to come out which may have hurt me a little bit in the long run but 
you know, some of those songs on that album are are still some of some of the most popular ones today. Like watching you watch him and and the basement are are songs that people are always asking me to play still. So that album's always got a special place. But you know, I think I had a bit of a sophomore slump. I got I got caught up a little too much in what other people wanted me to sound like. Yeah, that's an interesting you know? process because you see it. You see it even in sports, man. Like uh, a freshman. Uh, who comes in and it's hot, and then now the expectations get super high. It's it's a it's a crazy time for any artist, but I love the album, dude. I love the album, and I, there's not an album you've made that I don't fucking like. I'll be honest with you, I like all of them, man. And um, it's really interesting to see that transition because actually my first Eric Hutchinson experience, to be honest with you, was on a uh, Fantasy Focus. All right, nice, nice. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's the first time I ever heard of you. I swear to God, I was a uh, I was a uh, like 20, I would say, like 20 years old. And uh, I was doing nothing really. I just had like a basic like minimum wage job in college. And um, I was uh, in fantasy baseball league or fantasy football league. I was in a boat with some friends. And uh, I always knew that the podcast theme song, but I never really like cared who made it. I just I just always liked it. And then they brought you on the show and I was like, oh, this, this guy is pretty cool. I should check out his music. <laughs> and then it took off from there. Dude. I, I started listening to your music, which at that point, your album had been out or sounds like this had been out for at least like five or six years. And um, I went to work. I was like humming the songs, and like even a coworker of mine was like, "Oh, I have a CD." Like it was, it was pretty nice. unique. Man. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. The fantasy focus stuff was fun, and and that just came out of yeah. I love. I play, I'm right now. I'm in a fantasy baseball league and a basketball league, and uh, I just love fantasy sports. I love all sports, but I get real in, into my fantasy stuff. And um, I just reached out to them and was like, "Hey, do you want a theme song?" <laughs> <laughs> Actually, first they were complaining they don't get any celebrities on their show. And so I reached out to them and said, I'll be on your show. And they said, we've never heard of you before. <laughs> so they had me on. And then we got to be buddies. And I said, you know, maybe I should do a theme song. So, yeah, it's surprising how many people come to my shows and say they found out about me that way. And, and uh, you know, I feel connected to my fantasy peeps. Yeah, dude. It's honestly, it's honestly really cool. Especially, like, they're both super different, but they're badass, man. I'm not going to lie to you. Um I, I I wanted to get into your your third record too, man. Pure Fiction was definitely a lot different than the other two, and it, it was it was like more poppy. But it, like I said, you you've hit like almost every genre, but in like such a unique way with keeping the Eric Hutchinson sound, which is hard to do. So I feel like sometimes people when they try to dip into other genres, they might try to go a little bit too mainstream and uh, and forget their own sound. But you nailed it on the head, man. How did that come about? I appreciate it. Um, you know, I just love all kinds of music, and I. I the last thing I want to do is repeat myself, you know, and as I make more and more albums, it's hard to like say, okay, what have I not done yet that I could, that I could do or that I could, you know, and to me, it's like music is like food where there's so many different types and so many different cultures and to just stick to eating pizza every day to me is like, why, how I can't, you know, like I want to, I want to grow my music and my sound so I think at that point when Pure Fiction was coming out you know like Bruno Mars was kind of on the scene and the band Fun and um, I've always loved hip-hop and like Kanye West and stuff and I was just feeling very much like oh I'd, I'd like to make like a cool pop album that still has a lot of melody to it and and um, you know still like you said feels like me and and um that's what we came up with. And I don't know, you know, it's like I have a hard time anymore telling what's what or what albums feel different than other albums. I have stuff I'm trying, but I, you know, it's interesting to hear that stuff. But yeah, that's, that's definitely like sort of the most pop album. And 
Um, again, some of those songs that came off there are some of my most popular now, and and um, that album was that album was cool to make. You know, and I'm proud of that album, and and I hear from a lot of people that they that's their favorite album. So you never really know. Yeah, that's true, man. How how does the songwriting process even come along for you? Like, uh, I mean, I've been playing music my whole life, but I'll be honest, I'm terrible at at writing music. It's which I always uh, tell the difference to my friends. That's exactly what makes an artist an artist. Like. Uh, my friends aren't musically inclined, so they think I'm like some sort of fucking rock star, and I'm not. I'm just good at playing the guitar. But that's a difference. There's a big difference between good at playing the guitar or piano or whatnot and creating music. Like, and you can see like nine year old little kids on YouTube, and they can cover Eruption the whole fucking song. Yeah, and that's a phenomenal. But that makes them good at guitar. It doesn't make them actually good at creating music, which is the whole genius of making the song. How do, does that? How, how does that happen for you? Are you like driving down the street and you hear lyrics in your head? You're like, I got to write this down. Do you just Sometimes, make it Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I think songwriting is the same as, as playing the guitar, though, in terms of, you know, I've just been doing it since I was, I wrote my first song when I was like eight years old. So I've just spent a lot of time getting good at it. Or, and more importantly, just figuring out what works for me, because everyone's got their own version of how to write a song. But, you know, I've just spent a lot of time doing it. So I at least know how I like to do it. Um, but yeah, sometimes it'll be like, <clears throat> okay, this idea just popped in my head and I got to record it on my on my iPhone for a minute before I forget it. Sometimes it's I'll have an idea for a lyric and I'll just jot it down. But more and more, it's like I got to sit down and, and try to harness it all. But I really love when there's a song idea in my head that's just like, I'm not going to wait. So you can either write this down or you're going to forget it and I'm going to go to somebody else and let them write it instead. You know, like I'm right. very, I'm, I'm a little into the mysticalness of like, that a song idea can float from person to person or a melody is out there. And <clears throat> that's how I feel a lot of times when I do come up with an idea that I'm like, how could this not have been a song already? I better write this right now because there's someone else out there who's about to write it, you know, like, yeah, dude, it's exactly, well, I, I've been doing a stand up for a couple of years, uh, off and on though. I mean, especially during COVID. I mean, you know what it's like, it's, it was almost impossible, yeah. but, um, it's the same way with making jokes, dude. It's like, if you come up with a joke, you're like, Ah, that, I think it's good, and I know, actually I know it's good, but there has to be someone who's made a joke to this about this already, or right. at least on the same layers. So like, even when you're going out there and you're trying, you're like, I'm a little nervous. This might sound like something else, but um, when it, when you finally get that validation that it's not that this is actually something you made and no one else made, you're like, oh shit, that's pretty cool, man. Yeah, I've got, I've got a bunch of friends who are stand-up comics, and I was uh, I was in a comedy troupe in college, and so sort of all my friends from from school are all in the comedy. TV world and stuff and the thing I always think is interesting about the the stand-up is you can't really tell if it's funny until you like tell it to someone else like yeah you know it's sort of it's that weird thing where like you can think it's funny and it might be funny to you but it's it's like there's one test to see if it's funny or not and did people laugh at it and <laughs> and I feel that way about my songs and my show I, I hate rehearsals like because you can't really tell it's like okay we're gonna play this song and we're gonna play this song and then as soon as you're in front of an audience, it's like, okay, that was not the right choice. That song should not have gone there. We should have done it here. <laughs> you know, I, I have to like learn on the fly kind of. Right. And I need to see how people react and how I feel up there doing stuff. How has it been with the rehearsal process in the sense where like you started off basically um, almost by yourself. A lot of it was unplugged. A lot of it acoustic guitar songs yeah. and then sprinkling in bass and, and, uh, and drums and whatnot. But I mean, all the way up to your modern records, there's been way more musicians involved. You're getting like, you know, like jazz musicians involved. Like, how's that been a practice with or recruiting people like that to, to play along with you? 
Yeah, and I, I appreciate you doing the doing the research and everything, man. Um, in the beginning, I was solo at a necessity. Like I could travel much more. I could drive all over the country. I could fly all over the country. I had, all I had to do was just get enough money to like pay for my hotel room for that night or whatever. So it was out of necessity that I could do this show and get out in front of people by myself. And then stuff started getting bigger, and I started needed a band. And it, but it took me several years to like learn how to play with the band, and, and more importantly, how to lead a band, and how to sort of help get my vision across, and how to inspire them. And um, <clears throat> and you, you mentioned it, like last couple albums, I've used three different bands, and and it's uh, it's been my favorite part. We've recorded the last couple albums all live, like in the studio, you know, one take as much as possible, and everyone in the room playing together, me singing live, everything. Like that's so much fun to me and it makes it so um like getting to hear other people be great at their instruments is like my favorite part of of making an album you know it's like i have my my song idea but like when i hear somebody else fill it out with a beautiful piano part or a great drum beat or something it's like the song starts to actually come to life yeah definitely and then there's there's a huge satisfaction as a fan to see the other people inside the band and them thrive, especially like you already know who the, the leader of the band is in the front man. And you've already gone down the rabbit hole with him. Like you've become a fan. You've read, you read his bio and whatnot, but like easy examples, like any big band, like a, like a Metallica or like a, or like a, like I said, Springsteen and the East street band, like you fall in love with the Clarence Clemens, you fall in love with, you know, like a Lars Ulrich, you fall in love with these guys yeah. who are doing their extra stuff just because they're secondary, but like their roles are so important even though, you know, the main guy is still, you know, delivering the juice and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. And and uh, I'll give a shout out to to my band. The Believers is my my touring band. And and that's uh, Elliot Bloffus, Brian Taylor, and, and Ian Allison is the bass player. He's played on a couple albums for me. And he's turned into something of a, of a bass player influencer online. So you should check him out, Ian Martin Allison. But he's always posting bass videos and all kinds of stuff. He's just, um, it's really interesting and... He just loves playing the bass and always has. And like at the beginning, of, he was like, I never wanted to be a guitar player. I never wanted to be the singer. I just wanted to play the bass. Oh, man. And um, God bless him. God bless people who want to play the bass, you know, because we need bass seriously. players. Seriously, dude, when, you, when you're a kid, everyone wants to be a fucking star. You want to have your guitar. You, you don't even care if you learn how to play it. You just want to like put on a show. But you don't meet anybody really who's like, I want to be in the back and just keep the rhythm. Like I have yeah. a buddy I grew up with. Same thing. His name is uh, Tyler. And uh, in seventh grade, we met. And, he, and when he told me I play bass, I was like, dude, you're my best friend from now on, dude. Come over. The sodas are right there. You can date my sister. I don't even care, dude. I love yeah, you. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. It was awesome, man. Like, that's that's rare to find. And when you do find a good one, man, it's it's unique. One of, what's that? Uh, I forgot this one bass player that always plays with uh, John Mayer. I forgot his name, but he's an absolute killer. And he just brings Paladino? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Yeah, man. There's a, who's that other guy who's, like, super popular? Uh thundercat yeah that yeah. guy's an absolute animal man like especially his like live versions with uh or like what's, what are those uh desktop versions with like mac miller and him doing all mm -hmm. that's phenomenal stuff man yeah he's like figured out how to be a bass player and a star you know so he's he's doing it Dude. all but yeah. yeah you know there's bass playing is, a, is an art and um uh actually my my second album moving up living down i got to make with with a big time bass player his his name's mike elizondo he started as a bass player now he's just a major producer. He he was producing for like Dr. Dre and playing bass on like 
in the club and Eminem songs and stuff. So he had this real hip hop background, but then he was just like this massive Beatles geek. So we just like got along so well. And, and he played bass on, on that whole album, moving up, living down. And, um, yeah, he's a cool guy. I just saw him again there recently. So yeah, I love bass players. They're cool, you know, but it's just like every instrument. It's like, you got to have the right vibe more and more. I'm just like, I could have the best player in the world, but if they're a dick, I don't, want them in the studio or on tour with me like it just bums me out and and I'd rather have someone who's a little less technical but whose enthusiasm is going to make everybody better you know I mean you know it's like with sports you could have a Zach Levine on your team but is is he more important because he's just trying to get his buckets or do you want somebody who's going to play a little more of a role-playing role yeah no for sure you can't have have a bunch of Kobe Bryant's It it wouldn't work there's yeah. too many alphas too many alphas in one room you got to have somebody who's trying to play a supporting role man how, how did uh how did you start getting into the role of like doing concept albums like going later on like i find that fascinating when when uh when artists get to do that when like okay here's my best stuff here's what i like to do here's what i'm making but now i kind of want to make an album about something specific and about like yeah. a time in my life um i mean the truth is i i thought i was going to quit music i after my album easy street i was really deeply unhappy on tour and, and I felt really like I had done what I was supposed to do and I needed to find something else to do with my life and um, I felt like okay I'm, I'm gonna quit I'm gonna do something else and as soon as I really felt really allowed myself to truly believe that I might quit I, I felt a lot of love for music come back and, and I realized oh I've been trying to make music for other people or what I think they might like and I think I'd like to try to just make music that I'm excited about and hopefully people will like that too. And so that started with my album, Modern Happiness, where I was like, if I want to take away all the things that have made writing songs not that fun for me lately. So I don't want to worry about like if radio will play it or if the song title's too long or if the song length is too long or what I'm singing about. I just want to like sing something that feels real. And at the time, I was really dealing with a lot of sort of depression and whether or not to go on uh, Prozac. And I was dealing with some issues in my family history. And I was like, I just want to write about this stuff. I don't care if it's not sexy or not good for the radio or whatever. I just want to like, there's no point in me doing this anymore if I'm not being real and being myself. And so from there, I kind of came up with Modern Happiness. And and then I did... uh, before and afterlife and class of 98 and there was to me it's like i write so much music now that having some sort of parameters on it makes it makes it easier for me so i'm like okay i'm doing a 90s album got it 90s use certain kind of chords they use certain kinds of tempos they use certain kinds of beats and it gives me some like structure to like try to put my songs into otherwise if i just sit down and i'm like i could write any kind of song i want right now it's a little like overwhelming or just i need some focus i guess you know right that's really beautiful man especially like i I do have a huge affinity for artists that choose that path of music it usually is the opposite to be honest with you it's usually you start off kind of writing with your heart on the line and whatnot and then later on people transcend into like the uh well i'm running out of stuff so i'm gonna make stuff that's poppy so i can still remain in the game yours was the opposite yours was like super phenomenal music and then it just got more you as the time went on that's that's extremely difficult to do man i appreciate it you know i still hope i've got some 
been thinking maybe it's time to make another pop album or something, but I don't know. You know, to me, it's just like I said, what do I what do I feel like I have to do? Like where I'm like, I can't sleep because I'm thinking about this song or this project and I got to like fill it out. And, and to me, more and more, it's like there's got to be an element of I don't know how to do that yet. Like this last album I just put out before and afterlife, like. I hired all these jazz musicians in New York and they all intimidated me because they're all like classically trained and, you know, like super, <laughs> super musical. And that's not the world I come from. And, and so I sort of set it up like that. where like, oh, I was intimidated by all these people. So I need to like figure out how to be able to play with them. And I need to write my songs based around letting them do their things. And, you know, with a couple of rules, it made it, it made it more fun, actually. Yeah, I feel like sometimes when you're surrounded by like, like experts like that, it brings the best out of you too. Not only that, but um, it, surprisingly, it probably brings the best out of them too. Because it's like, oh shit, I'm with Eric Hutchinson today. Like, and it's not their forte, but they mastered it, dude. It's, I'll be honest, with you, that's my favorite album. I I really loved the whole process of how you made it, and you're talking about beginning of your life, and then your daughter and your wife, and and the the losses you guys had. I I thought it was phenomenal, man. And it sounded a lot different. At, one of my favorite artists is uh is Van Morrison. And yeah, yeah. I got a little bit of that vibe and I was like, man, this is, is beautiful. It starts just from the beginning. I, I was already like, this is going to be, this is going to be special, man. I appreciate it. And yeah, I was, I was listening to a lot of Van Morrison around then. And, you know, he sort of did a great job of blending the, the acoustic guitar with sort of a horn section and stuff like that. And, and um, yeah, it was a really personal album to me and, and uh, I'm really proud of it. So thank you. Appreciate yeah, it. No problem, man. It, that I think that's the best part about it is, um, if I were to give someone an Eric Hutchinson album, I would give him right from the beginning here. Check out this. Sounds like this. But I, the next one I would give would be Before and Afterlife because that's truly like I felt like was like the biggest part of your heart. I loved it, man. It's it's kind of like with Van Morrison. I wouldn't I would give them maybe Brown Eyed Girl just to like here. Here you go. Listen to this. Right. But yeah. but the deeper stuff that like tore down a la Rambo, like the really deep stuff where you're like, whoa, this is like his best work. And it's it's not as noticed. But oh, my God, man, I I fell in love with him. Man. I think you did a great job. And. I can't imagine what that process is like to get new people in. And it's just, are you going to do that for your next record too? Like always having new bands and whatnot? Yeah, I don't really know what's what's next exactly. You know, like one idea is, is um, something around sounds like this. Like I said, it's the 15th anniversary and, and maybe trying to re reapproach some of those songs or something. And, um, but I don't really know right now. You know, I'm, I'm kind of just waiting for the next idea to, to come to me and Good. inspire me. Like you said, I've got a daughter now and, and um, spending a lot of my time and energy dadding it up these days. So, uh, you know, I got to like really fight for my creative time and space. And, and um, but I was really, really inspired by finding out I was going to be a dad. And that's where a lot of those songs came from. So, you know, I'm trying. That's been one of the hardest things with COVID is you're locked up at home. And, and I believe really strongly that to write music and to write songs to create art you need to be living life and having experiences and and i've just been so uninspired the last year because i've just been locked up at home you know and like i need to get out there and have an adventure and and get outside of my day-to-day -day life and get some perspective and you know that's that's where the music comes from for me usually yeah i mean and that's it's funny you mention that because any artist who has an extraordinary album is the same exact circumstance. One of my one of my favorite current artists is uh, George Ezra, and his first record was uh, Wanted on Voyage, and he has this really great backstory where he talks about I took a train 
that basically goes all around Europe and you stay in a different states and countries for like for two or three days at a time. And uh, he has a song Barcelona. He has songs yeah. about, uh, you know, what's it called? Where Budapest. Portugal. Yeah, Budapest. It's it's phenomenal. Like, and it's it's it, it's based off that. Like that, you don't get that album if you're not out doing your stuff. As you know, as that's what you said. Yeah, for sure. It's cool. Yeah, I like him. He's got a really interesting voice. It's like very. It's like you always know it's him. It's very recognizable. But his his stuff's really uh, catchy and and smart too. Oh yeah, definitely, man. Well, dude, I'm I'm excited for what you have going next, especially if you have your tour coming up, man. I don't know if you're coming to SoCal, but yeah, we'll definitely we'll definitely be there, man. It's we got I'm I'm like a block away from the House of Blues, and it sucks, man, because I moved here like, uh, shit, I don't know, like a year and a half, I would say, and I was super stoked, man, because I'm like I'm I'm next to Disneyland. I don't even like Disneyland, but I was like, there's a House of Blues. There's a I can go to a baseball game down the street. Like it's a perfect set. I'm close to to Fullerton, to Huntington Beach, Newport. And then COVID hits and it just kind of ruined everything. And (laughs) we went to a few shows that we did see. uh, I mentioned the bleachers. We saw them at House of Blues and a bunch of cover bands. But uh, I know that's an epic venue. Everyone likes to play or whatnot, or at least makes their travels when they're coming through SoCal. Yeah, yeah. Been through there a couple of times. So, yeah, we'll definitely be back through. California. California is the best to play. You know, the band's always in the best mood. I'm in the best mood. It's sunny. It's uh, we're just always having fun. So yeah, can't wait to be back. I I, I miss uh, I miss getting around and, and seeing the seeing the country and the world. Yeah, man. And uh, last question: What what do you think has uh, been more challenging in your life so far? Creating more music or being a father? <laughs> um, I've been doing music longer, so I can think of more. Uh, more issues and problems and stuff. They have, they're both, they both have their challenges and they both have their very deep rewards. So, um, right now I'm really enjoying getting to, to put on my dad hat and, and, uh, see the, see the world and and life through, uh, through new eyes. So that's been pretty, pretty special, but, uh, you know, anything can be hard if you make it hard. (laughs) (laughs) That's beautiful, man. Well, look at it. Thanks so much for uh, for stopping in, man. I want Absolutely, to much dude. Hope time. to see you at a show soon, and uh, we'll have to do one of these in person backstage or something. Yeah, dude, that'd be awesome, man. Like I said, I've been a big fan, huge admirer of your work for a long time. And, uh, dude, I'm looking forward to you have to come next. You know, I'll be playing your record all day while I'm cleaning around here, doing whatever shit I got to do. But uh, thanks a lot for stopping in, man. I appreciate it, Danny. Thanks a lot, man. All right, brother. Take care. Have a good day. You too. And there it is. Our interview with the great Eric Hutchinson. Uh, thanks again, Eric, for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you to uh, his manager, Mike Hannigan, for getting it set up. I also appreciate it, man. I, thanks for uh, keeping in contact with me and all that good stuff. Uh, super humbled, super honored to do the to do the interview. And um, if you guys have a chance, go ahead and check out his latest record, Before and After Life. It is now available wherever you're at. I recommend getting the vinyl record because don't be a mark. That's how that's how you appreciate shit is when you put it on and you can't fucking change. I mean, you, you can change it, but don't be a bitch. Put the fucking record on. Sit down. Listen. Nice little bottle of wine. Tell your lady she's sexy. Whatever you got to do to fucking put on and enjoy this record because this record is phenomenal, man. And it's just one of other records that he has that are just, just fucking through the roof. So go ahead and do that. And, um... Thanks again to everybody for listening, dude. This was awesome, man. And and uh, I'm excited for you guys to keep hearing more shit. This is Alternate Take. I'm your host. Bye-bye. Is this really happening? And are you really real? We're looking at the plus sign and we're wondering how to feel. I'm an imperfection.
Bye. 